Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Chris is going to be taking care of all of us today. So you're gonna, we're going to be thanking him. But one thing to remember, try to keep your face. Wait, can you talk to me spot. normally? I am. I'm just giving you instructions right now. Okay. Okay. So for for to begin with, we're gonna be looking like at each other. Okay. Um, and you're gonna to try to be keeping the same, same like directional speaking. You're gonna be trying your head here the entire time. I need that, like you know, um, at the eye doctor place, you put your chin on your. On oh yeah. <laughs> I need one of those. Yeah. I think we might do multiple takes, so don't worry if you mess up. It's uh, part of the plan. You know. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I need to stop dropping my pencil. My pencil, I'm going to drop that for a second. Um, you're listening to the CC Pisces, CC Pisces, <laughs> Australian. Sorry. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the currently untitled CCPC podcast. Today, we have the wonderful Claire Cho joining us today. Hello, Claire. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> you seem a little nervous. Are you nervous? I'm not nervous. I just. The introduction was weird. I, I mean, you know, we're trying to get into it. Uh, get your okay today. You're, so. you're gonna wait. Time out. You're gonna call it untitled. Well, we don't know the title yet. So. I thought it was be. I thought it was B cut. So it's for, for the listener. It's it. We are trending towards it being named the B sides. But for now, when we don't have a full title yet, we're just gonna call it the Untitled Podcast, and we'll just edit that in later. Into the title with our editing powers. So okay, is this for real? Are we for real? This right is for now? real. It's always for real. Okay, okay, been okay, for okay. real for a long okay, time okay. now. Claire, my first question to you, Claire, before we even start anything, is, what is your favorite game to play of all time? Do you do you like games that you're good at, or games that are fun, or is it the same thing to you? I think it's fun to win. It's fun to win. Yeah, I, I've noticed um, that. I think my favorite game is definitely Spotted. Spot is that your favorite game? Yeah, I think so. Right, I feel a little bit bad for not playing every time then, but it's okay. No one wants to play with me. So, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Spotted's like a gate like a matching game, and Claire is like ridiculously good at it. I really don't know how she got so good at it. Do you have any inkling to how you got so good at it? I don't know. I think it's like the first game. That's like my language, you know? It's all visual. It's all visual. Yeah, so. I don't have to try to understand it. I just have to be. Yeah, like I, I would stare at this board for like a minute and not notice it. And Claire would have 10 matches already. And I'd just be so lost and i just give up. Um, yeah, pattern, pattern recognition, exactly. So I, I guess that relates um, to our, the, the topic that, you know, we, we would probably go into talk about today, which is your your career path. You are, well, what, what would you say? If you were to give yourself a title, what would your occupation career general generally lean towards <laughs> um i think overarching label i would give myself is a creative um but experience wise i consider myself an apparel cmf designer mm -hmm. okay so what is what does the term creative mean to you because you know i think one of the things you struggle in nova is that there's not a lot of creatives in the area right so what would you say would be a good uh, definition of that? Mm, that's kind of hard of a question. Mm. I've never really like thought that deep into it. True, true. Because I'm not thinking like, oh, like how am I a creative or why am I a creative? I just. You just know. You just, I just know. I've like was born and then painted, you know, and like I, I just started drawing like for as long as I can remember. Really? So do, yeah. do, you, do you happen to remember like the first things you were drawing or what, what got you into it? Or is it just your entire life you've, you've been into it? 
I mean, my mom is also creative. She has a history of doing textile design, graphic design, like painting. Um, so I think like growing up, I've always been accustomed to doing very artistic things. Like mm -hmm. if she was helping for VBS during church, I would be like next to her, like making a leaf or like, you know, making some landscape for church. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like very, I think I grew up very accustomed to seeing her doing creative things. So it was very like natural for me. Um, it's not like a label that I picked up. It was almost more like a lifestyle, um, a lifestyle of like expressing things in a very artistic manner. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then that trans transition to your college, right? You went to the Maryland Institute and College of Art. Is that right? Yeah, Maryland Micah. Institute College of Art. Mm -hmm. And you also majored in t textiles, right? Yeah, so I originally went in for painting, mm -hmm. uh, fine arts, because I think that's the natural way I express uh, my imagination or thoughts. And then um, I've always been like fascinated by color and material even um, in fine arts. And then I met a bunch of like skater friends, uh, sneakerheads, just like was always into fashion. And the major that I like got attracted to was textile design. Um, and then I minored in fashion as well. Gotcha. But so I think a lot of us don't really have an idea of what um, the what it looks like to be a major in, in the arts, right? So could you give us like a snap snapshot of what a day in the life would look like? A snapshot? Um... So our classes are usually like six hours long. Oh, so <laughs> I can't I can't sit still for like an, a minute anymore. So no, but it makes sense because we need time to create art. We need time to create good work. Um, and so time goes by really fast. Um, there's morning classes and night classes. So if you wake up at like 9 a.m., it will go up until like 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. And then if you start class at six, it'll go till like 10 p.m. Okay. So it was like very different, I think, automatically schedule wise from like a lot of the peers that would go to like Johns Hopkins or like very uh, normal universities. Um, and yeah, I think the college itself, any art school pushes you to like think outside the box. Um, and so I've like met a lot of unique people. <laughs> um, I think like we're always outside like gathering inspiration or training our imagination to think a certain way. I think we're like always in our sketchbook. I think we're always like drawing. Um, sometimes like the teacher will teach us like a couple things, but most of the time it would be us like discovering ourselves and challenging ourselves as an artist. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think we learn by like constantly practicing or playing. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I'm sure you guys had, yeah. I have a question. Yes, sir. CNF or CMF? And what does it stand for? What, what's CMF or CNF? It's Color Material Finish oh. Designer. Thanks. CMF. I totally missed that. Thank you, Chris. So could you oh, could you repeat that one time? You, you don't have a timeout, Claire. You, just, you, can just, you, can just, you can just tell us. I can't. This is too serious. Well, I, it's not that serious. I want to start over. You want to start over? <laughs> this isn't, this isn't for a grade. Don't worry about it. It, is, it does have to be a little bit more like, of the um, serious side. Like normal. Like uh. I want to talk normally to you, but then every time someone talks to me about my work, I think I definitely change my demeanor. That's fair. I think, do you think you separate... But you're, you're so into your work in general, right? Like that, that's, that's very yeah. much like who you are. So do you think that's weird that 
you, it's kind of like you're adding a, a, a barrier between that? Um, I don't consider myself a like, I don't consider it a barrier per se, but I do think I become a little more passionate or serious about the things that I'm doing. Okay, that, that makes, definitely sense. makes sense. I think like yeah. everyone has like a work voice. Mm, I don't know yeah. if I would consider oh, yeah. it a work voice, but um, customer service voice. <laughs> yeah, I think I am more trained to talk more articulately about the things that I care about. Yeah, I, I think no matter what, when we talk about your career, it's going to be a little bit more like serious and refined. I don't think we're going to ever get past that, you know, but like, you know, what, what would you say are differences between Baltimore people and Nova people? <laughs> and this has to be Baltimore people as a whole. And no people. We're getting into heated categories. Heated categories. <laughs> yeah, that's that's you know that was one of the main focuses on this podcast, but we just had to cut that. But what do you oh, mean? Oh shoot. Um, I think in Baltimore there is a larger like level of disparity or like privilege. Like I don't know what the word is for it, but um, when you like travel or like drive by, like the neighborhoods change really really fast. From, like, the privilege to, like, people who don't live as well. So more diverse is what you're saying. There, Like, I think that disparity is more large. Gotcha, I don't know if, that gotcha. the right, if that's the right word Yeah. for it. Um, and I think because it's, like, still somewhat of a small city, there is, like, a tra- transience about it. And um, I think Maryland people in general are kind of more down or more spontaneous, in my opinion. Ooh, I, I, I think... You know, no one people get a bad, uh, I don't know if it's a bad rap, but about being so caught up in their work and their Flaky? life. Flaky? Yeah. Flaky? Oh, <laughs> man. We're really getting into it these days. A little uh, bit. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think they can be a little bit flaky. That's that's fair. I, I Do you think that's like, what do you think that's a byproduct of? Just, just having um, different focuses or? I don't know just it just I'm, happened i'm not sure yeah but i i do like when i um when i came back to like nova um i don't know if this is like a like church thing are you sure you want to get into this i feel like this is very controversial yeah, yeah we can cut it we can cut anything <laughs> that we don't like so um i do feel like when i came back to nova like people already had um a certain group that they're a part of and so it's I think I automatically realized that it's like very hard for new people to um, kind of feel like they belong or find a group or find people that they want to get close with. I mean, I definitely got lucky because I already had people that I grew up with that were a part of the church. But I think in that way, it's like very difficult because I don't think people are intentionally trying to be clicky. I think it's more just a level of comfort that they have with certain people and so it kind of seems like from the outside like a very like a group um and i don't i think because like in baltimore i mean this could also be because i was in college but it seemed like more transient so therefore people there wasn't necessarily groups but i think people were more open to getting to know each other or down to do things i mean there isn't that much to do in nova Whoa! <laughs> like we have bowling and uh, hiking and compared to uh, compared to compared to a city, you know what I compared mean. To city, compared, compared to a city, compared to a city. I mean, DC might be different, but I mean, I get your point. I think you know, community is something. I mean, you know, this podcast is one of me. Uh, we're trying to get to know the community better, so I, I think there's a definitely a lot of truth in that. You, um, 
you're talking about uh, comfort, uh, comfortability and like kind of privilege in, in Nova. Do you think a lot of this stems from that, from just us being being able to be, you know, in a really good area of, this, of, the, of the country that we're, we're able to kind of not push ourselves in, in certain areas? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%? Did I just take the words out of your mouth? Um, I think people sometimes can be too comfortable here, like complacent, actually. Um, and it's not like anyone's fault. Um, I think I recognize that I'm also very privileged and I grew up very privileged. Um, and I don't think that's a bad, bad thing. I think it's a blessing. Um, but in terms of like, I guess, faith and the Christian walk, um, I don't, I think it's very, if you're like, ultimate goal is to continue to be like sanctified or grow i think that's very hard to do in a complacent lifestyle gotcha did you ever feel yourself falling into complacency being in nova for the past couple years now or do you think you've been staving that off good enough (laughs) um a little bit but i think as a person i do really value like learning and i do really value growth so i do often place myself in situations where i'm not comfortable with or i try to push myself in that manner but you know I think being in Nova and being privileged growing up in a nice home and having um, a certain group of friends like it's very easy to fall into that complacency um yeah and I think it's like even harder to call yourself out on it and be like because I think comfort's not a bad thing you know (laughs) yeah no I I definitely agree I think it's uh it, it can be so easy to fall into that trap in Nova where you know, a lot, everyone's a government contractor, everyone's a coder or a PM or something, right? So, um, yeah, I, I, that, that, that's such a tough thing that we're dealing with. Um, but I think that's, if compared to other places, I think that's like a battle that Nova has unique to them. Um, because, yeah, I think the battle, I think something that I like miss a lot or really, um, respect or admire about people is when they're very like passionate about Christ or passionate about something that they're going to be able to walk and act on faith and be bold in their lifestyle like I miss that because I think in certain places they're it's not comfortable so they're used to um acting on faith or doing very bold things and I think living here like that's our challenge right to yeah to like surrender our comfort sometimes and you know when god asks us to do sometimes sometimes things that might not be the most comfortable comfortable for us like are we up for that challenge mm, it's kind of transitioning a little bit i know you're, you're, <laughs> you're heading towards the mexico short-term mission right you're you're, you're volunteering oh, to be part of that yeah C- can you make a quick rundown of the the mission itself like where you guys are going what's up not everyone probably knows so I really hope I don't butcher this. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut it in post. Don't worry. But um, like when are you going? First, first question. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> So training starts um April in the last few weeks of April, and then it'll go for a couple weeks. And I think we're gonna depart. Um, I don't know, like July, August, okay. like end of the summer, kind of. Um, and it's based in Mexico City. And it's we're working with um, an organization called El Pozo de Vida. Yep. Um, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I hope it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> the training doesn't start for another couple of weeks. You're, you're fine. Um, yeah, but their whole thing is 
um, rescuing um, or providing a place of refuge for uh, victims of human trafficking. And they also aren't, it's not just about rescuing, but kind of offering like rejuvenation through the gospel as well. So I think that's like really cool. I think their um, motive isn't to just like help them out and like save them in a way, but it's also about like giving them skill sets or abilities to continue to live life, Um, which is like, it sounds like very like small or very like basic, but I don't know when you like put yourself in their shoes and think about like what they had to go through. Like, I think that like basic thing of having a skill set to like live life is like such a big thing um, to share with them. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll learn more as I train and join. Um, But I'm excited for it because I definitely have like a huge heart for um, mercy ministry and just like people who are broken um, and like non-Christians or I think I have a huge heart for people outside of the church. Um, That's great. Yeah. And do you, do you know where that came from or is it just always in your heart? I think uh, so. This is also very controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, I think growing up as a creative, I've always felt like an outsider to the church. And I think I've grown accustomed to thinking that like the church actually, this could be controversial, but the church actually does not know what to do with creatives or how to um, incorporate them in church. I think it's like very um, interesting because I think what's often preached at the pulpit is our worth is in Christ. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes I think creatives are used for their skills and it's very hard to not believe that our worth is in our work. Um, And so in that way, I think I've seen a lot of creatives get hurt in the church Mm -hmm. and even oftentimes leave or not come to faith. And that like really saddens me as a Christian and as a creative. Um, I'm kind of like, I forgot the original question. Yeah, no, go (laughs) on here. You're good. Unless you don't have any. Oh, oh, yeah. So then, but I think um, seeing like that, like brokenness in creatives, I think like started to stir that pot a little bit of thinking about like what it means to be an outsider and who the outsiders are. Um, And then I think obviously also like in the gospel, like it's often talked about how Jesus would sit with people who aren't considered the in, in the in crowd right mm-hmm. and i think that also spoke volumes to me because i think a lot of people can relate but like jesus shares the gospel or loves on people like me like outsiders you know yeah definitely. um i don't have to be a certain way to be accepted by christ um and i think that's like very encouraging to me and something that i want to share with people who've had that same struggle um and i think going Um, Even growing up, I used to be very, very sick. And I think, you know, I think my close friends know a little bit about my testimony. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I was like very sick when I was young. And I, you know, would have like a gallon size bag of meds. Like I would not be able to go to high school that much. Like I would go to school, but most of my time was in the doctor's at the doctors or in the hospital um, or like if I am at home, I'd be in my bed like sick, right? And so I think I thought it was a blessing in disguise because I think I was able to develop a unique relationship with Christ that a lot of people may not 
be able to have, you know, because like, you know, when you're in your bed, there's like nothing to do. Right. And like, I think that space and time gave me the opportunity to get to know God in a very real and intimate way. But um, yeah, I think being sick and also feeling like because of that, feeling like an outsider at school, even or at church or not being able to do certain activities that people normally would be able to do like that, I think also gave me a perspective of what it means to be an outsider. And then you know, all of this like led to going to college, right? And um, you know, I'm I'm like well now, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. um, in a way like miraculously, but um, healed in a way, right? And like, but that mental like mentality of being an outsider never really changed. Like, um, I got better physically, but that doesn't mean like those experiences I had in the past didn't affect me. And I think. Um, I was very aware of people who felt like they didn't belong or people who were on the outside in college. And going to college, I think there was a bunch of people like me. Um, There was people who were struggling with homosexuality, people who are struggling with drugs, people who are struggling with broken homes, like people that it was like different types of people in college that I think um, all like all joined at one place um, through the language of art through the universal language of art um and yeah we're there and like my freshman year the first thing i don't know if people remember but the first thing that happened was um the freddie gray riot and my first year in college was cars burning and (laughs) ride aids robbed um and uh yeah just these like huge riots happening and it was um because like this man got um technically like in a way murdered by the police right um and so i think i saw like a bigger version of what it means like to be an outsider or um a bigger like visual of brokenness um in a city like in a race in a culture like in people that i think really called to me that i like wanted to minister to and i think um just like even art being a universal language that people don't have to learn but understand from the soul or heart or mind like puts me in an interesting position to be able to share the gospel in a way that can be like connected to in a way without like english per se you know um so i don't know i mean i don't know if that really answers your question Honestly, <laughs> so I, don't, I also don't remember the question anymore but <laughs> i think that answered it pretty well I, I going back to how creatives could be utilized well at church right i think for you, what what might that look like? Maybe like examples or past examples, a general outline of of how you feel like you and other creatives can be best better utilized. Yeah, I think um, I don't think creatives are just meant for creatives. I think God gave us gave us this gift for people who aren't creative, um, because I think creatives have the unique ability to share. Uh, the truth or share stories or share the gospel even in a way that um again can be reached to people who like may not speak english or just like because i think art is a universal language i think god has meant to use that to share the gospel in a unique way and i think if um that gift is like tapped into correctly i think if anything like collaboratively doing art together or you know like creating together and sharing that gospel outside of church is a huge way to evangelize and share the gospel having avenues that they can go through like having things that 
they could be part of is is that like what you're saying yeah i think i think like mindset right like i think when we like think of the church i think it's so easy to forget that it's a church full of different types of people and i think being able to like cater to that um like helps because like i don't know i think some, we're a church for all people so for, for yeah, sure yeah but then oftentimes like i don't i think like because like churches can also be broken i think oftentimes there are groups of people that have a like hard time finding um a home church right because they don't feel like they belong because it's almost as if a church only accepts certain types of people but like in reality it's like if we were to include everyone like like let's say creatives for example for example <laughs> you would have access to a different type of toolkit that can be used to evangelize to evangelize to non-christians i mean i don't know i, I don't know how that would like work right <laughs> definitely but i mean again it, it, it is something to, to think about more oh sorry yeah. <laughs> uh, chris is uh listening to his headphones and he's no, when I get passionate, I like move my arms yeah, a lot. We, we might need to have like special areas <laughs> for people to hit. <laughs> like, Can you get like a beanbag? Like, yeah. <laughs> where Where do you think is the most creative place you've been to? Is it, I don't know if that's a word to say it. I, I know you creative were, place, yeah, like a location, like where you felt most at home. Like I know you've been to a lot of places. You You love traveling the globe. You were in Amsterdam. You're in I Boston. I did live in Amsterdam. Yeah, in Baltimore, I lived in Boston. Baltimore. You were in Nova. Any, anywhere else I'm missing? Germany? Germany? Oh, we don't talk about Germany. Oh, we don't talk about Germany. Yeah, okay. I almost got kidnapped in Germany. Oh, we don't talk okay. about Germany. We don't talk about Germany. <laughs> but uh, maybe just countrywide, do you think Amsterdam felt like a different uh, place altogether for creatives? Or or do you think it was similar and similar issues there as well? I think there's different issues everywhere. Like, I don't think there's a more creative place than the, uh, well, okay, Nova is not that creative. <laughs> <laughs> but I think relatively, like, yeah, cities have more creatives in them, which makes sense. Um, but I do think, like, Europe in general, like, is cracked because, like... It's cracked. It's cracked. It's cracked. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's just, like... Um, I think in America, like, for example, like, when you grab coffee, it's, like, to go, right? In Europe, when you grab coffee, you sit down for an hour to enjoy coffee. Like the lifestyle is different. Um, so, and I give, I think, gives um, more like inspiration or encouragement, or like I think the lifestyle is more suited for creatives there. The trains are like accessible. Like you could just travel anywhere in Europe, and there's so much like different varieties of culture packed there. So in a way, like it's definitely easier for creatives to thrive. Um, but like, I don't know, living in Amsterdam versus like living in Boston, I wouldn't say like one was more creative than the other. Probably um, what you made out of it, right? That that's the big thing. Yeah, I think so. Like, I would like even argue like the most creative place I've been might have just like been at home in my head. Mm, that's right? good point. Yeah, <laughs> it's like how much you tap into your imagination at that moment in time. I think. Yeah. But this, okay, this kind of sounds like I'm high, no, but I'm not. No, no, we would not promote that on the church podcast either. <laughs> okay, so. Cut that out. Cut that out. Sounds like I'm high. Do you think you have like an illustration for your Christian walk in those in, in those different seasons of your life? Um, I Do know. I have an illustration of my Christian walk? Like how God, sorry, God's faithfulness in in those times throughout your life. Um, 
times where you just were like un, uh, in a unfamiliar city, maybe. But yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's too many. Just, God is very, very faithful. Uh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> no, but He has been very faithful and good to me in my 25 years of life. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there have been like many moments in my life where. Yeah, there's yeah, there's like legit so many. I mean, I think um, even being well enough to go to college, like that was him being faithful. He didn't have to heal me, but he did. And then even picking out the school, I really wanted to go to New York, but then um, I was like very convicted to go to school at Micah. And I think like, honestly, like I don't know if I would be like, in the same place that I am if I went to school in New York. Is that through just struggles that you experience at Micah or the good stuff or just the amalgamation of everything? Yeah, like, everything. I think God really blessed my time at Micah um, with people who love Christ in very unique, radical ways. Our school is a private school, so we had people from all over the nation come um, study there. And I think something that's automatically different from off the bat is... Uh, we don't have like a Christian, like Asian Christian community thing, like GCF or I don't, I don't know what you call it. We don't have that. We um, had like a multiracial, like small group kind of, and they were of all different denominations. But like we couldn't be picky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and so you didn't gravitate to people similar to you, you in that circumstance. You just kind of gravitated towards everyone still. I think I gravitated towards people's heart for Christ, Mm, but there wasn't a gravitation towards a specific denomination or a specific person because of the, of the way that they believed. I think everything was very like new and fresh Mm. to me, like how they saw Christ. It was like very interesting. I mean, I think, I mean, I feel like a lot of people can relate, but when you get to college, it's almost like you step out of a bubble. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. definitely. And you, and you see different perspectives and you know, that I think that like, translates into faith as well um while i was at school because like people were coming like some were catholic people some were coming from like europe right some were like struggling with homosexuality and very honest about where they were at with christ with in relation to that some people were struggling with addictions like i mean i can't really like speak for other colleges because i didn't go there but it did almost seem as though we had a like we had a very variety of people like we're just they just experienced like life very radically, you know? Um, And then, yeah, I think in that way, like God was like faithful because I've met people in my life that um, I still talk to to this day that still pour into me. And then, you know, my time at (laughs) getting into, um, going to Amsterdam, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so that was like me living out um, in faith. Because um, my parents did not want me to go to like an internship or a workplace outside of the U.S. Um, But, you know, like I think I felt very strongly called to like go work at this place in Amsterdam or like just be. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what it was, but I like I felt very called to go there. And like I had no I mean, I was a college student. I had no funds, like financial funds to get there. But then I remember someone telling me, like, if God means for you to go, he'll make a way. Legit, like, I accepted the internship and I still didn't have a plane ticket. I didn't have, like, a 
like place to stay a week before this like competition gets released. And they say that if you win first place, you get $10,000. It was a competition. There's no way I was guaranteed first place yeah. amongst like all these talented people. I apply it and I get first place, you know? And it's like, that's like freaking crazy. And like in that span of a week, I get a flight ticket to Amsterdam and a place to stay. And I think that's like wild because I think that truly shows that like in his timing, he like gives you the equipment or toolkits necessary to do whatever he like wills you know and then i and you get to amsterdam right and like it was also a very like unique experience um i had to like trust in him a lot like i mean can you imagine like a small like asian girl like going to like amsterdam <laughs> by herself yeah. like even like moving in was so difficult i had two huge suitcases each suitcase weighed more than me and I had to go, my room, my room was on the sixth floor. And oh, let me tell you, let me tell oh, you the oh, stairs. No, no. Oh, shoot. But the stairs were steep AF because they're old, you know, and they don't have no elevators in that kind of building. So, well, I mean, I was like kind of designing my way out of problems, but yeah. I had to like sled on sled on that joint. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, wow, that's that is creative and a little dangerous. But I had no choice. How was I gonna carry like something twenty pounds more heavier than me? You could ask someone for help, but no, no, no. A, I didn't know anyone. That was the thing. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. No, but like in those moments, um, I think like maybe this is why people say travel alone too. But I think in those moments when you realize the only people you have is you yourself and God, like it really pushes you out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. to like have faith. To get muscles to carry stuff <laughs> upstairs. I mean, that's just like one example yeah, of yeah, like yeah. how I was like in a situation where I wasn't prepared for. Um, but I think God was faithful to me in my season of like in terms of workplace because while I was in Amsterdam, I met like celebrities or people that I see on Instagram on the streets, like by chance, coincidentally, and become friends with them, like talk with them, network with them. I would like, you know, work with different brands that like I wouldn't imagine working with. I would see like parts of the industry that I never thought I would see. Um, yeah, and then even like my time of getting into like New Balance, my friend applied to the pencil co-op New Balance thing like five times and he didn't get in. <laughs> and then on my first try, like I somehow got in, which is like wild, yeah. you know, because there's so many talented people applying to that. And my whole time there, it's like crazy because four out of the five people were Christian and we we're just like cracked because <laughs> we're not not only were they all talented, but they had they would pull a strength from a different source, which is mm -hmm. God. And we would be working 24 seven, like at a hotel together, just trying to create like good work. I don't think labor laws. Uh, how long, uh, how, how, sorry, how long were you in Amsterdam? Was that, yeah, how long were you in Amsterdam? Oh, this is like such a hard question because. I don't think that's a hard <laughs> question. I think that, I think that is one answer. No, 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 I, w I went back and forth. Oh, okay. okay. A lot, so like for, college um senior year we have something called thesis and you can kind of like basically do whatever you want um so i took this class this one class was the most like uh logistic arranged organized yeah out of like all, all the other classes words. i yeah. had mm -hmm. um and we would have to travel to rotterdam which is also in the netherlands and um i was there for like a good like six months and then i came back and would go back 
So it was like 68 months while I was like being in Amsterdam. Wow, that's a good amount of time. Did you find a church there? Yeah, the first church I visited, I had to travel two hours to get to. <laughs> oh, I, I feel like there are different options, but... No, there's not many Christians really? in the Netherlands. Wow. Yeah, there is like not many churches at all. So how, how did you survive like spiritually in, in the Netherlands? Beginning, it was very hard, um, but I was like very adamant about finding a good church. Um, not a good church, just a church. Any to church to. that exists, yeah. Right, yeah, and then... Um, I ended up settling at like this very charismatic church. I think I'm more charismatic than most, but I'm not technically a charismatic denomination. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, like Baptist, Presbyterian, it's like not super charismatic, yeah. right? We, we are all PCA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, because I didn't have much options and I was just glad to be around people who like loved Christ. And that was like very unique. Even small group, like the prayer sessions, they would like pray out of the Bible. It was like, it was like crazy. And there was like a lot of things that happened there where people would speak truth into you. And there's like no way they would have known anything about my life in that way. But they just like knew like they were practicing like spiritual gifts there. Um, but it was like it was crazy because in a way it like shows how alive and working and real the Holy Spirit is. That oftentimes I feel like it's so easy to forget here. Um, and I think my, during my time there was when um, I think God really like poured into me in that way, really like showing me what it means to place like my trust in Christ. Um, I mean, I only had him to like rely on sure. in Europe again. Yeah. yeah. So it's like very different when like he takes everything away from you. And the only thing you really have is God. That, that sounds like a really tough, but rewarding, rewarding experience. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you got a lot about that and that's carried to where you are today, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I think there was a moment <laughs> in Germany. This is not the kidnapping story, but okay. there was a okay. moment in Germany. You can't just drop the kidnapping story <laughs> on us. That's okay. Next time. No, like, yeah, <laughs> next time. But um, in Germany, like, I, they didn't really speak English. I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess it was very pretentious of me to assume that everyone in the world speaks English, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't speak English. And I got on this... Uh, bus and I didn't have enough uh, money I thought like you could just use a card to like mm. you know they kicked me off like off the bus in the middle of nowhere and like I had to walk like for hours till I saw a village till I saw humans <laughs> imagine like walking with like a suitcase for hours and hours not knowing when this was gonna end can you imagine? It was almost like walking with no hope. Wow, that sounds like a metaphor, but real life. That's like you no. found a city, you found a town. Yeah, I, yo, that town was sketchy. Yeah, <laughs> it was a town full of refugees. I mean, I was glad to see humans, but also like it was, it was pretty sketchy. And like no one there also spoke English. And like I like went inside this like cafe and like this waiter helped me like this one guy who like spoke broken English to help me find to call an Uber because the Uber rider didn't speak English either. So that's how I, like I got kind of out of it at the end. But um, during that like walk, I've had I, like I wanted to give up so bad. Like, well, the metaphor keeps getting deeper. <laughs> no, like because <laughs> no, legit like. First 30 minutes, it's like shock, right? Like you can't believe this is happening to you. Like you're just like, oh, like, like you expect something, someone to help come help you. You expect some like a neighbor to show up or like some town that like you would come across, but that didn't happen. I just had to keep walking for hours. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of walking. Yeah. No, but all that, but I think I question like life 
so hard at that moment. <laughs> did you appreciate everything that was given to you up to that point? Yeah, I did. And like, I just, but the reason why I bring this up is because, um, because like it was very hard for me in that moment. Mm. I like will go through hardships now and I'll look back and I'm like, this is nothing. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Totally get it. No, because like I feel like God has placed me in a situation where I like only had him. It's easier now to be more confident about who you are in Christ because you can trust that he's like got your back because the past is evidence to God being sovereign to you and how he will be sovereign, continue to be sovereign to you in the present and in the future. Thank you for sharing that, Claire. I I, I think that's such a testament to who you are today. And I, I can definitely see how that grew you to be the wonderful person you, you, you become. But um, going to our final question, final point, uh, I was wondering if you had any particular person or people in mind that really shaped your walk as a Christian? Because, you know, talking about a community-based podcast, uh, figure out ask, ask you about your community. I mean, okay, I don't know if this is a cop-out answer, but I really do believe that the biggest impact in my life has been God. Mm. Like, I'm not even... Okay, no, that's fair. Go on, go on. Like, because, like, I would not be living right now if he didn't save me. He's, like, very real to me in that way. And I think... Um, a lot of the decisions that I make now or like the people that I connect with really like I do believe that he's working in every like connection that I like have like I think he has changed the way I talk even right like I can't converse to a non-Christian and them ask me like oh how are you so calm without bringing up God into it because that's just how like engraved he is in my it's life part of your part yeah. of you yeah um so he is like the biggest impact that I have, like, and the reason why I do a lot of the things that I do. Yeah, that, I, definitely not a cop out answer. And I, I thank you for your honesty up to even get to that far. But um, yeah, thank you so much, Claire. It's been great having you. I hope you had a great time being here. Wasn't hope I wasn't being too formal. Did I feel like we like scratched the surface? Yeah, yeah, but like you we know, didn't even get into it's... New York Fashion Week. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, well, we're never getting to this point, so I guess we'll just focus on two episode two. If you want Claire back on, guys, just give us a call and we'll we'll have her expand or have a a, a part two or something. But yeah, again, thank you, Claire, and uh, yeah, let's uh, call it a wrap. Woo. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> welcome. No, no problem. <laughs>